Going Linux, episode 327. Things you can do in Windows and how to do them in Linux. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, things you can do in Windows and how to do them in Linux. This should be an interesting show, Bill. Uh, you mean you can do things in Linux? <laughs> yes, you can. I thought you just played games. Oh, that's me. Never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe that's you. Yeah, of course. Uh, you're probably hearing the snoring Dotson just decided to start snoring all of a sudden. She lives such a hard life. Oh well. Mm, yeah. Let me. Okay, there. She stopped. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I heard it, but uh, you know, those those of our listeners with sensitive ears might might have heard that so so if you heard a, a snoring that was not me i did not fall asleep it's the fat <laughs> blind dotson who likes to sleep and eat and sleep and eat yeah so anyway <laughs> that's a story of my hey that's the story of my life that's a song okay yeah, yeah. Um, okay yeah you can hmm. tell i've had too much coffee today Woohoo! <laughs> all right shall we okay. get into our show uh could we just talk about coffee we we could coffee it talk be very interesting. I said, I said okay, yeah, okay, all right. Well, all right, let's here we let's go, go then. Yeah, okay. Well, Bill, this this uh, show we actually did not you and me, but yeah, me and whoever was the co-host back in episode eleven. I don't even remember whether that was <laughs> whether, whether that was still Serge or whether that was uh, Tom or whether that's one I did on my own. But uh, back in episode eleven, we talked about this topic. And although much of it hasn't changed, I thought we might just revisit it for some of the new users of Linux who are new listeners as well. Uh, Because, you know, some of these are very popular tips and not everybody knows about them. So, Okay, before you go any farther, just since we're going back to all the way to episode 11, for someone who just knew, you might want to just give a quick uh, overview of your co-hosts and what how this started be so they kind of got an idea because you just dropped two names and they don't know who these people are okay so the going linux podcast started back in 2007 with co-host serge ray and serge uh, was on the show for a number of episodes, but then he got uh, a promotion at work and moved off to another state and did some great stuff that didn't involve podcasting. So, uh, Serge, hi, if you're still listening out there. Um, and then I did a few episodes on my own. And then uh, Tom um, stepped up, uh, listener to the show, and offered to be co-host. We did a trial episode and uh, worked out okay, so kept him on for quite a number of years. And then, um, Bill, you came on as chief executive minion. Uh, I think now you came on as kind of a guest 
and then became an, a, a minion and then became <laughs> a, a chief executive minion eventually. Uh, I think that's the way it worked, right? Uh, um, and then eventually when, when Tom stepped back from podcasting, yeah. you became the co-host and that's where we are today, right? Yeah, that <laughs> years later. <laughs> years later, you've had to deal with me for years now. So, but yeah, um, I, it started as uh, I was looking for a Lynx podcast because I had some questions and I ran across mm-hmm. yours and I started listening to them. So I started listening. I don't think I listened from one, I, but I've listened to one uh, recent, recently because I got bored. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a good endorsement of the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot. I got bored, so, so I, I listened was, to your podcast. I was, yeah. I was listening uh, to them, and I was, I was answering some questions, and then I think I uh, talked to Tom, and then I talked to you, and then uh, Tom uh, had to step back for, uh, I think, a month or something. He had some work-related issues, and mm-hmm. I kind of filled in for, for him, and then... Uh, I come on and was we did a kind of a three, uh, three people recording for a while, and then uh, Tom uh, retired, and I kind of just took over his office and haven't haven't left, even though you've changed the lock three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's time to change that lock again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Anyway, yeah. So uh, no, that's uh, that's a good synopsis of uh, of how you got into podcasting with with me. Uh, and, <laughs> you, and just you so had it, your choice of all the other Linux podcasts out there, and you chose me. That's great. Thank yes. you. Yes. Well, if you remember, we had when we were all recording together, you were the uh, used to be a Windows admin who mm. went to Linux. Tom mm-hmm. was a uh, a new Linux user who just develops develops mad skills. Yep. And I was the distro hopper slash gamer. <laughs> that hasn't changed much, has it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Except you know a lot more about Linux now. That's for sure. I do, but I, I I think at one time you were just keeping hash marks of all the different Linux distributions, and the running joke was so people if they were here to understand it is. So, Bill, which one are you running today? Because I would sometimes change Linux distro, distros like three or four times, and you're like, okay, what are you running today? Yeah, and that's that, right. Yeah, I, I lost track. I stopped <laughs> counting. It was just too, okay. too much work. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, just a note. If you've upgraded your Windows computer to use Linux, the super key is the Windows key. And, and I didn't know that when I first started either. I mm. think yeah, when I listened to this episode, I was like, what is the super key? And it's like, oh, it's the Windows key. Don't I feel stupid? Anyway, if you have upgraded your Mac computer to use Linux, the super key is the command key. And it looks like a clover. Yeah. That's the easy way to find it. Uh, if you have a computer pre-installed with Linux, like maybe one from System76, ZA Reason, uh, Intro where, um, et cetera. There's a bunch of them. I think there's Penguin Computing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's uh, a lot. Yeah, then the super key is likely to have a Tux logo. And when we say Tux logo, it's a penguin. So always remember right. the ofi- unofficial mascot for, or is it official? Either way. Yeah, I think it's official, it's a penguin. yeah. Yeah, it's a penguin, and they call it Tux. Um, or 
uh, and a, a Ubuntu little symbol. And it's usually right. orange and white, so you can't miss it. That's the yep. version of the Super Key. Right, exactly. And I understand that on some computers it may just be a a white square or something like that. But uh Really? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that on hmm. some computers, but not not very many. Most of them quite frankly have a Windows <laughs> key on them. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny. Anyway, the super key. That's that's important. That's that's super key. So when they say super key, it's the Windows key or the uh, Mac command key or if it might be a square or it could have an Ubuntu logo on it. Just know that when you say super, that's what we mean. Yep. And we're gonna talk about super key and some of the, some of what we're describing here today. Yep. Okay, and again, our topic, in case you forgot what it is after this long introduction, <laughs> is uh, things you can do in Windows and how to do them in Linux. So one of the things that you can do in any operating system is to display information about your hardware. And when users are moving to a new operating system, whether it's from Windows or to Windows, or from OS X, or to OS X, or, or to or from Linux, whenever it's new to you, it's often difficult to find what it is you're looking for at first. So take finding a, listing, a list of your system hardware, for example. As of the last time I used Windows, if you want a graphical display of the specs for your computer, you right-click on the My Computer icon and select Properties. Do you still do it that way in Windows 10, or is there more steps involved? Uh, actually, uh, you go to settings, and then it's you know, see system information, and you'll display a list of, you know, one of the very first things you'll say, this product is licensed, uh, it's running um, the x64 you know, version, or the 32-bit the yeah. version, etc. And then it'll go down, and it'll tell you... Uh, your processors and stuff. What yep. I've done is I still like the system monitor myself. Uh, there's a system monitor in Windows as well? Yes, but you have to dig for it. Uh, yeah, too much work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you asked. So, I know. Well, I, I haven't used Windows 10, so I had to ask because I don't know. Like I said, last time I used it, you just right-clicked on my computer and hit properties, and there it was. <laughs> so, and, and even with that simplicity in Windows 7 and before, uh, I imagine that it's not very intuitive to find system information that way if you've only ever used a Mac. Uh, and in fact, going the other direction, uh, if you're new to the Apple's OS X operating system, what you do there is you select About This Mac from the Apple menu, and that gives you a dialog box with selections to display some of your computer's specifications. I've noticed that it doesn't include all of them. So, But in Linux... It has graphical tools as well as command line tools to display information about your computer's hardware. And in Ubuntu Mate, for example, it provides system specifications in the welcome application. And from the menus, select system, then go to the welcome application, select getting started, and then system specifications. And that lists uh, a bunch of information about your hardware. Um, everything from RAM to hard drive size and what version of the operating system you have, that sort of stuff. And that graphical method is a nice browsable list of information. But 
with a few terminal commands, you can really dig under the hood of your Ubuntu Mate computer's hardware, or any Linux computer hardware for that matter. And so the remainder of our discussion here today is, is about how to use the command line to give you some additional information that's stored in text files on your hard drive. And for the big finish, we will show you how to get all of your system information at once by typing a single line of text into the terminal. I, I want I want like twelve lines of text. Come on, I mean, oh, we can do that. Oh, okay. We, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's write a script. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you do it, and I'll take Claret for it. Okay. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Okay. Now to display your system information, possibly the easiest command to use in terminal to get a full listing of all your computer's configuration is inxi dash f. And for, that's a capital F. That's it, kind of oh, important. It, it, it's important. Okay. So, you know, listen to Larry. Don't listen to me. <laughs> and for, <laughs> it's true, for a more uh, verbose set of information, you can use INXI-F-RMXX. For just the very basic info, simply type INXI. Yeah. The, yeah, it's 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 like four letters. I can even remember this one. And that's saying <laughs> yeah. something. I used to have a cheat sheet of commands because I couldn't remember them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have cheat sheets of commands, and and I think the article will link in the show notes. Oh, okay. Well, people would say, oh, that's what I need. This is the commands I use a lot, and I can't remember them. They'll look at me like, you need to have a cheat sheet. To use commands, yeah, guilty as charged. Okay. Yeah. Well, unless you use them all the time, you can't remember yeah. them. You know, INXI is something that is pre-installed on Ubuntu Mate, and it may not be pre-installed on your Linux distribution. Uh, so just get it from the repositories. It's kind of a standardized, uh, a standard way of displaying system information that's available in most system repositories. So just oh, download okay. it, use it. So it's, it's not a... Uh, distro specific, you can get it from almost any distro. Right, absolutely. Okay, cool. All of the uh, command line stuff we're talking about is available for just about every Linux that's out there. Okay, I've saved the best command for last. The command lshw is the list hardware command. You can type it at the command line without any switches. Or options, and when I say switch, you don't need to put like a dash F or anything like that. Just type LSHW. But the text file it generates runs on forever and is a little difficult to follow in the terminal. It needs to run as root, so you'll need to type sudo in front of it to make it work. Run LSHW with the dash html option to create an html file open it in the browser and you have a nice web page with all of your hardware specs so let me give you the command uh, just and it's in the show notes if you so you don't have to remember this it's sudo l s h w dash html uh, the uh, greater than symbol myhardware.html the 
article we'll link to in the show notes gives you everything we're talking about here today and some more. There are a few more commands that are listed there other than those that we just talked about. So let's go on to some other things you may know how to do in Windows and how to do them in Linux. Does that sound good? Yeah, I my favorite is uh, when I, I said shut down now. <laughs> but there's other ways to shut down your computer, so. Absolutely. And let's talk about those right now. Uh, okay. How to shut down or reboot your computer. Uh, for Windows, uh, when using Windows 7 and earlier, which is what I've used in the past, um, you can reboot the computer in these ways. Control-Alt-Delete and then select Restart or Shutdown. Uh, and then click the Start button, select Restart, and then to shut down, select Turn Off Computer or select shut down. So keep me honest here, Bill. Do you do it the same way in Windows 10 or have they changed that too? It's the same way. You, um, well, you've got two ways. You can do it from the menu uh, in Windows 10 and yep. it's at the bottom. It looks like a little power um, key and you can click it and say restart or shut down. But a lot of times I just hit uh, Alt, Control, Delete, and then you can just you can pick what you want. Um, it has that hasn't changed. Uh, it might look a little bit different because the buttons might be a little, look a little different, but it's all it still works exactly like Windows Seven, and so yeah, no problem. Okay, all right. And in Linux, using the Mate desktop, you have these three methods. You can press Control Alt Backspace. That doesn't reboot the computer, but it does restart. X windows. Uh, so it'll uh, restart the desktop manager for you. The second way is from the system menu, select shutdown, then select restart or shutdown. And then the third way is click the shutdown icon in the panel. That's usually in the upper right corner, unless you've moved the panels around and then select restart or shutdown, depending on what you want to do. Using Linux Mint and either the Mate or Cinnamon desktop, you have these methods. You can Press Control Backspace. Again, it doesn't reboot the computer, but it does restart X Windows. And then click the menu button on the panel and select the quit button. And then select restart or shut down, depending on what you want to do. In KDE on Linux, you have these methods. Press Control Backspace. Again, it does the same thing. <laughs> doesn't shut down the computer, but restarts X. Uh, and from the K menu, you can select log out or restart the computer. Yeah, and it's just a little caveat, just some information. Do not do this often. I mean, I've had to do it once or twice. Don't hit the power button and wait to, to, to turn it off because it does not like that very much. Right, right. You can corrupt stuff. And, yeah, because uh, when you go through the shutdown uh, sequences, it unmounts then writes to files and stuff before it shuts down. And it's relatively quick, but um, I think I've messed up a few computers by just saying, I don't have time for this, and hit the button and have regretted it when Larry's laughing at me. I said, it won't work. <laughs> so just, it, you know, power failures happen and stuff. And usually... The file, the links will come back, and it might complain a little bit. But as a general rule, do it this way. Don't do it Bill's way of just hitting the power button because it's a bad, bad thing. Well, and if you if you use Ubuntu Mate or one of the 
distributions that have the Mate desktop, at least, you, when you you can set it up in the power management setting so that when you press the, the power button on your computer, not press and hold for mm-hmm. 10 seconds or anything like that, but just press it, it will prompt you with the restart, shutdown, or cancel. So just a, a slight tap on the on the power button can get you where you want to go, uh, at least with the Mate desktop. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I guess I've never had it set up that way because I've just hit, held the button to shut off and then regretted it when it wouldn't come back up or complained <laughs> and wanted to do a file check. So, hey, I'm just saying. Now, yep. our next one, everybody uses this. It's the uh, how to control the, the file drag and drop action. I don't know about you, but I use that quite a bit. Yeah, I do too, but uh, I'm surprised all the time at how many people don't know that you can do this. Okay, so let's go over this real quick. Uh, when dragging a file from one directory to another, you can control the operation that will be performed when you release the mouse button. In Windows, using Windows Explorer, right-click and drag, then select the operation you want from the menu that appears. Alternatively, if you left-click and drag, which is basically you drag normally, you can hold the control key to force a copy, hold the shift key to force a move, or hold the alt key to force a create shortcut. Now on Linux, you press and hold the alt key while clicking and dragging normally with the mouse. Uh, Select the operation you want from the context menu that appears, and when you release, the mouse button, it will do what you wanted. Uh, and you can also use the hold the control key while you click and drag uh, or hold the shift key while you click and drag. And that works in Linux as well. Yeah. At least in most of the desktops. So they're, they're very similar. I mean, they're, if, yeah. so if you're coming over from Windows to Linux, you're not going to have a problem with dra- drag and drop. But it's nice to know there's just some small differences, but nothing that anybody can't figure out. So it's that pretty much works the same across almost all computers. Yeah, yeah. The key difference there is the using the Alt key when you mm-hmm. click and drag in Windows, it, it creates a shortcut by default. Yeah. And in Linux, it gives you a choice of what you want to do. Do you want to copy? Do you want to move? Or do you want to create a shortcut? So that's actually, I think, a little bit better. Uh, the next thing is using a dialog box to open an application or a URL. And so sometimes when you're waiting through a menu to find an application, you might find that a little inefficient, especially if you've got a lot of things installed on your computer and you've got menus for menus for menus. Uh, here's how you use a dialog box to open an application or URL quickly. In Windows, you click Start, Run. Then you type the URL or the name of the application into the box and click OK, and it starts that application. So if you want to start Firefox, you just click Start, Run, Firefox, OK, and away it goes. In Linux, you press Alt-F2 on the keyboard. That's the equivalent of clicking Start, Run in Windows. It brings up a dialog box, and then you type in the URL or the name of the application into the box, and you click Run. And in some distributions, after you click Alt-F2, it presents you a list of some of the commonly used applications, so you can either type its name or just pick it from the list. Yeah. Now, this next one we're going to talk about, I use every day because I work in a production environment that if you leave your desk, you have to have your computer locked. So let me tell you how you can lock your computer workstation if you want to secure it when you step away. Press Win plus L 
for Windows, or in Linux Mate, Sim, and GNOME is you press the Super plus L. In Linux KDE, select the K menu and choose Lock Session. To unlock a computer, you will need to enter your logon password. Now, you know, Larry, it's probably not as important if you're at home, but when you're working in a like an office or you're working on something that's uh, you know sensitive, because there are a lot of the security policies you know, that most uh, uh, of the companies use now is you can't have an unlocked computer if you're not there. Right. Or uh, an another one of the the policies where I work is if you're working on something and someone comes up and you and uh, and needs to talk to you about something, they expect you to lock the computer just because that person might not need to see what you're doing. It's not that it's secret, but not everybody ha has reasons to see everything that's being done in the company. So this is really, really convenient. The Win Plus L, the Super Plus L. Uh, I would say the, um, the, the KDE one is the slower of all of them. Yeah, because you <laughs> have to go through the menu. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's nice to have shortcuts. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason you might want to use it at home is if you have young kids uh, ah. or grandkids or a cat that likes to walk across your keyboard while you're away from your keyboard, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, you could um, find that locking your keyboard prevents uh, random selections of applications and random typing on the screen and weird stuff like that. Yeah, that, that well, I don't have any cats and... My, the dog doesn't climb up on your keyboard. My dog is a Datsun, so the, I do not see uh, her getting up there and walking across my keyboard. Heck, she doesn't like to walk to her food bowl. Well, so <laughs> I really don't think she'll go. Uh, no, she she's a great dog. But yeah, yeah I, if you are working on something like uh, a presentation for work and you have small kids, might be a good idea to lock it. I see your point. Yep, there you go. Okay, and th that's the basics of uh, the tips that we have. We have many, many more on the website. We'll have a link in the show notes to an article that has the list of other articles we have with these tips and more mm -hmm. for people on how to do things in Windows and OS X and how to get them done in Linux. Yep. And uh, so, Larry, before we close us out, I am testing it. Uh, well, it's not a new distro, but it's a new distro to me, and uh, it's working out pretty well. And you're going to be surprised when I tell you what it is. Okay, what is it? Netrunner. Netrunner. Okay, that is the KDE version of something. Ubuntu? Or Mint? Or what is it? From what I gather, they t the Blue Systems... Uh, as taking like Ubuntu and really refined it well, and and it it they seem to have, a lot of my grievances. If anybody hasn't listened to my last KD review, um, was you know the icons were too large, you couldn't resize. You had to dig through fifteen things to get what you wanted done. Um, they seem to have really streamlined it and really polished it well. Um, I've been testing it about a week now and uh, running in a virtual machine and it's done really really well and I'm thinking that um, I want to put it on some hardware and not just run it in virtual just to see if it's as good on you know bare metal as it is in virtual machine mm -hmm. so far and mark this date because it doesn't happen very often I kind of like it 
I, I really <laughs> don't have any complaints. Well, that's good. I'm looking forward to your review. That sounds very interesting. It's been a long time since I've used KDE, and uh... yeah, Netrunner is was I think they took the KDE base and then really polished it up. And um, from what I can gather so far, um, and you know, I've just been kind of running it. See, um, I, I'm kind of weird how I test, but uh, it doesn't seem like they installed. 15,000. It looked like they took uh, applications. It looked like they took the best of the breed and included them. So, Well, that's good. It sounds like they made some sensible selections uh, yes. for people. Yes. And, and of course, you still have the ability to customize it however you want. It's just oh, yeah. that they've made some choices that they figure most people would like, and or at least some people would like. And if you like it, you keep them. If you don't like it, you change them, right? Yeah. Instead of having where Remember, my, one of my big beefs was that installed so much crap. Yeah. That I would never use. And it was just, and when I say crap, I, I, I just mean in excess of stuff I would need. I don't need four web browsers. I don't need three IRC clients. I don't need, you know, 12 file managers. I'm exaggerating here, but you get the idea. Uh, you know, I would rather, uh, you know, someone say, this one works better than everything else, and this is what we're going to have in there. But if you don't like it or you kind of developed a fondness for another program, you can still install it uh, from the repositories. So it's it's kind of nice that they've not dumbed it down but made it a lot more simple to just get it up and running without having to, you know, bang your head against the wall and trying out all the different programs so so far it seems to be working really well it's been rock steady and uh my biggest beef was you know the super large icons that i just didn't like yeah and uh i just i don't remember seeing any so i'll let you know how that goes yeah that sounds very very interesting sounds like my kind of distribution so that's great i remember uh, back in my early days of using Linux, I was trying out for the first time OpenSUSE, and they had on their install screen, they had, do you want to run GNOME or do you want to run KDE? And when I first started using it, I would choose one or the other. And then the next screen, if I remember correctly, was pick the applications you want to install or check this box to install everything. And so I thought, well, what the heck? How 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 much stuff can there be? I selected to install everything. And it wouldn't install on my hard drive because during the installation, it ran out of space. <laughs> well, <laughs> one of the things I, I, I want to do is, is we have um, some distributions that we recommend for people coming from Windows to Linux. Yep. But uh, we really don't have a... a, a I would say a KDE distribution that we could say, yeah, this is a, this is one you should look at. So right. I'd, I'd like us to have, you know, a Mate version and here's a KDE version. And, you know, if you really have a lightweight, lightweight hardware, you know, here's an LXC, uh, LXCE version. So we can, you know, say someone says I might, they might have an older computer to just try and to get a, few more years out of and say well try this one and so you know if we can use it and not you know want to uh dig our eyes out then it's probably safe <laughs> that someone else will find it useful netrunner definitely sounds like a, a 
good choice from that perspective. Yeah. Like my experience, my early experience with OpenSUSE, uh, KDE to me has been the desktop environment where they just install everything. Uh, and if Netrunner has smoothed that out a little bit and made some sensible selections, I think that's that's great. That might actually be, as you said, something we can recommend. Yeah. Great. Look forward to it, Bill. Okay. In our next episode, we have another listener feedback episode. So until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to everything that we have described here today and links to download and subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.